So during the month of December, we took a break and studied uh, the Christmas passages. But as you know, we had been in the book of James for a while, and so now we get back there. We've got just a few sermons left in James. Today we're gonna look at James chapter five, verses seven through 11. And one of the things about studying the Bible as a church is I don't have the pressure on me to come up with what we're gonna preach on, right? I don't, I don't do that. We pick a book together and then we just go through it and we seek to cover everything in the book. We walk through it. That's our style here if churches have a style. And now we're at these final verses of James chapter five and James has been really intense. It's been a good study for us. The feedback has been enormous. Y'all have really been letting us know that James has been good for your soul and good for your faith. James is intense, right? He will, he will often step on your toes or even better, punch you in the face uh, with the truth and how he holds nothing back and we're thankful for that. But I want you to know that we're just walking through this. And today... James speaks about patience. I told somebody they better make sure they're here today because I'm preaching on patience and it was gonna be good. And they wrote back, I can't wait. <laughs> and then they said, no pun intended. That's a good one though, isn't it? Don't we use that phrase a lot, I can't wait? We hate to wait, don't we? We hate it. We hate it, we hate it, we hate it. I can't tell you how many times we've gone to a restaurant and we said, uh, green party for seven. And they said, all right, that, we are seven, always seven. Green party of seven. And they say, all right, that'll be 20 minutes. And we're like, oh, I'm 20 minutes. We, we don't have time to wait 20 minutes. So then we drive about 20 minutes to get to another place that has a 20 minute wait and we can't wait 20 minutes there. So then we drive about five minutes to another place that has a 15 minute wait and we can't do that later. And then you know, an hour later, here we are waiting 20 minutes because we didn't want to wait, right? This is the way we live, the way we live our lives. We hate to wait. But God speaks to that. And as you're gonna see today, he speaks to it a lot, really. You know, we don't hear a whole lot about a theology of waiting, a biblical theology of patience. There aren't too many works written on that, but there certainly could be. The Bible is loaded with patience and waiting. How many times have you heard in the Bible somebody say, how long, O Lord? It's over and over again in the prophets. It's over and over again in the Psalms. How long are you gonna make me wait? I hate to wait. We don't like to stay in line. Even just last night, I pulled through Chick-fil-A's drive-through and Chick-fil-A's pretty good at not making you wait. My kids said, no, the line is too long. This is gonna take forever. We just hate that, don't we? We hate waiting. But as you're gonna see today, God says, you better learn to wait. You better learn to wait. Or else, listen to me, your faith will suffer. I, I don't mean like the good type of suffering. I mean you're gonna struggle in ways that you ought not to be struggling if you can't wait. So this is a good passage for us today. Read with me in James chapter five, seven through 11. Be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. 
See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, as we've seen James do several times, James comes really strong and it looks like he is speaking with a harshness toward those who potentially are not even believers. Or if they are believers, he is speaking with a harshness to those who are not living in step with faithful Christianity and so they need to be rebuked. They need to be called out. They need to be called to repentance. And he does this a lot. The last time we were in James, we studied verses uh, chapter five, one through six, and that's a warning to the rich, and he absolutely just destroys them because of how pitiful they are of arrogance and pride and trusting in their wealth. He says harsh things to them, and James does this, but he often will then come back with a, uh, a tenderness, with a, a term of endearment and then speak like he's now addressing potentially a different group or now just showing love to the same group so that his rebuke is not seen as a tough love that cannot receive. Notice in chapter five, one through six, he says really tough things like you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Verse one, come now you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth eaten. He says some harsh things there, but if you'll look at verse seven, he says, be patient therefore brothers until the coming of the Lord. There's a, there's a tenderness here. In verse nine, he says again, brothers, there's a kindness. Verse 11 ends with how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Maybe this is James just coming like, hey, sometimes you gotta be given a strong message and sometimes you need a hug, right? Sometimes you need to have your, your rear spanked, right? And sometimes you need to be disciplined and sometimes you need some, some sweetness. Maybe that's what James is doing. Or maybe James is addressing two different groups. It's really hard to tell with James. Remember I said when we started James that James gets really choppy at times and you start thinking, well, what does that have to do with that? Either way, it's neat for us to note here that here comes some tenderness. Hey, be patient. Now, you know that the way you say be patient can either drive somebody over the edge or it can calm them down, right? You ever told somebody to relax? If somebody's about to blow up and you just say, chill out, relax, right? You just lit the fuse and they are about to blow up because you told them to relax. That happens a lot. But sometimes, especially with your tone, if it's, hey, we got this. Hey, we're in this together. Relax. Then it might settle you down, right? And so we need to think about what is James doing here? He's towards the end of his letter. It's only five chapters. It's short. 
And James comes here and he's talking about patience and patience and patience. Verse seven, be patient. Verse seven, the farmer waits. Verse seven, being patient about it. Verse eight, be patient. Verse 10, suffering and patience. Verse 11, steadfast. Verse 11, steadfastness. I mean, clearly multiple, multiple mentions here of, hey, rest, calm down believe. This is good for us. I don't know if this is better for us looking back on the type of year we just had or if it's better for us looking forward at whatever 2021 might be, but we need to hear the Lord say to us today, be patient. You know what's really good about being in a Bible church is that we get into a really bad spot if I'm trying to decide what y'all need to hear. Because if I'm looking at this side of the room, I'm thinking, man, what do these guys need to hear? And I'm looking here, I'm thinking, what do you guys need to hear? And I'm looking at this, what do you guys need? Man, I'm never gonna get that right. I'm never gonna get that right. But if we say, I don't know, but God does know, and we come to his word, you know what happens time and time again? Many of you all walk out of here going, man, I needed that. That is exactly what I need to hear. I think you were preaching directly to me and I'm not preaching directly to any of you all. We're coming to the word week after week because this word is living and powerful and God's Holy Spirit will make it hit you right between the eyes or right in the heart or right in the brain and you will think, I needed that. That's the way the word of God works. So if you're curious, next week will be verse 12. So let's hear the word of God today that we need to be Patient. Number one, we need to be patient as we wait. Patient as we wait. And don't get confused about this. We are waiters. We are. And so every time we say, man, I hate waiting. I hate to wait. I'm not going to wait. We are, listen, we are religiously pushing back against what God has made us to be. And I'm as guilty as any of you all. I, I, I hate waiting. But every time we say that or model that or we get frustrated with that, we are pushing back against what God has made us to be. We are to be waiters. This faith, this religion of following the Lord Jesus Christ as revealed to us through his holy word, Christianity is about waiting, as I've already mentioned. We wait. We wait for lots of things, don't we? What is the Lord's plan for my life? When am I ever gonna get pregnant? When's anything ever gonna go right for me? When am I gonna catch a breakthrough, right? Wait, wait, wait is what this faith is made up of. And we are to be patient as we wait. Now, notice that he says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. So it's not... Just wait, which that's, that's in the Bible. You need to be a waiter. But it's wait because God has a plan to send his son Jesus back to us. We've mentioned Advent a lot during December. We just had four Sundays of Advent. And the word Advent simply means coming. And so at Christmas, Advent means the first coming of Christ. When he was born of Mary, when he came into the world, when he became a man, that's the first coming. 
But the Bible also tells us of a second coming where Christ will come again. And the Bible says, even though it was 2,000 years ago, the Bible says you better be ready for it. It could be any day. He is coming like a thief in the night. There is an urgency. Make sure you're ready right now. This sermon might not make it to the end. We may not see 2021. That's the reality. That is the way God wants us to live, and it's throughout James chapter five, and so you need to be patient in that. Well, what does that mean? That means that God's timing is totally different than your timing, and if you've not embraced that yet in your faith, start today, please. God's timing is different. You wanna get married at 21? God may want you to get married at 40. You wanna have five kids? God may say you're gonna have none. The timing of God is totally something God does on his own, in his wisdom that's better than ours, in his goodness that's better than ours, in his glory that we're trying to seek. So waiting becomes about faith. See, waiting is often described to us as a, as a time sort of thing. Okay, how long's the wait? How many times have you driven up to a restaurant, and I'm not even gonna park, we're gonna check the wait first. So I pull up to the door, Val, will you go in and check the time? And Val, got, and she's, you know, if she has to wait to get the wait, then you know this is gonna be a long wait, right? She's in there 10 minutes just to say, how long's the wait? Then this is gonna be long. And so it's about a time thing. But with Christianity, it's not really a time thing. It becomes a belief thing. What am I believing? And so then it becomes, listen to me, is this worth the wait? Is this worth the wait? You've been to a restaurant before and they've said, it'd be about an hour and you look at each other and go, sure, we'll do it. An hour? Yeah, sometimes we will, right? So it's about, is this worth me waiting? Marriage, parenting, money, jobs, health, sickness. Are you able to wait? But it's not about the time, it's about why would you wait? What are you believing? What are you trusting in? Listen to a few words here. Here's a definition of wait. To remain inactive until something happens. So you see what I mean by believing? It means I'm going to wait because I know who makes things happen. I believe in the one who's got timing under control. I don't really see his timing. I don't really understand his timing. It's not the way I would have done it, but praise the Lord, I'm not the God of the universe. His timing is his timing, and I will wait. So we're to be patient. Okay, what about the, what about the definition of patience? The ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. The ability or willingness to suppress restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. So this becomes really important because we are to be patient as we wait. Once he says be patient because the coming of the Lord is coming, he goes into the first example, and there, even though it's just a few passages, there are many examples here. You've got the farmer, you've got the prophets, you've got Job just right here as examples to us. 
which it's so good when people give examples. Really good preachers try to come up with their awesome illustrations, but the Bible gives us illustrations often, right? You got a farmer, you got the prophets, and you got Job. Those are three really good illustrations. So look at the first one, the farmer. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. We know how gardening works, don't we? If you want to have a harvest, right, during harvest time, if you want the crops to come in, you want the corn to be there, right, you want the grain to be there, you want to get your cucumbers and tomatoes and all those things that you do, guess what you have to do? Well before, I mean well before, you have to say, Here, here's what I got to do. I got to work the dirt. I'll get no fruit right now. Nothing good will come of it right now. I'm just gonna work the dirt. Get some blisters, sweat, get really dirty. I'm just gonna work the dirt. Well, why would you do this months ahead of time? Because I know that in the waiting, there's something on the other end. Gotta be patient. Is it worth a farmer breaking his back day after day in the hot sun for something that's gonna come months from now? Is it worth it? You tell me if it's worth it. Is it worth it for a child of God to say, this is not how I want my life to be right now. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I expected. Is it worth it for you to believe God in that moment, not knowing what he has planned for you down the road? Not knowing what comes, but here's what you do know, and I mean this, and at 41 now, last week I turned 41, no, this week I turned 41, at 41, y'all, heaven is super close, is it not? Heaven is super close. And whatever you're thinking life is supposed to be, it may not be that, but I'll tell you one thing, it will not be much longer until the sky opens up and Christ comes back and you stand before him judged, either forgiven or not forgiven. And I promise you then, it will be worth the wait. Believe that, it will be worth the wait. You ever ever waited and said, man, I'm glad we waited. I'm glad we waited. You went to the store and you're about to buy something because you needed it and you thought, I'm just not really sure. I need to get it, I'm just gonna get it. No, I'll wait. Yeah, but what if I don't find another one? Uh, I don't know, you wait. And then the next time you're looking, you find something even better for less of the cost and you're like, man, I'm glad we waited. There is gladness in waiting. So we are to be patient as we wait. We are waiters. And don't we know that the Bible teaches this a lot? Remember the story of... um, Jacob with Rachel and Leah in the Old Testament and he wanted to marry her and the dad said, you gotta wait seven years. He said, I'll wait seven years. You remember that? And then the dad tricked him and gave him the wrong woman and he didn't realize it till the next morning. That's fascinating. So then he gave him, so then he gave him the next, then he gave him the right woman after another seven years, 14 years to get the woman he wanted. To all of us happily married men, we say, that'd be worth it. That would be worth it. But there's all types of waiting. Do you remember how the Old Testament ended? Do you remember how the Old Testament ends? God's people, just a disaster. No hope to be found. The prophets were saying, y'all better repent, y'all better repent. God's gonna judge us. He is judging us because we're unfaithful. And then they stopped talking. 
The Old Testament ends and there's nobody talking. And the Bible tells us there's 400 years of nobody saying anything. You know what was going on all the time in those 400 years? People were everywhere going, God's not real. God's forgotten us. He's not coming back. There's not a savior. That's what everybody was saying during those days. 400 years of nothing, nobody talking. God wasn't talking. They just waited. And there were some that believed, and so they just waited. Were they unhappy? Yes. Were they miserable? Yes. Did they believe? Yes. They waited and waited and waited. And James comes to us in the midst of the hardships of Christianity. Just think back to some of the things here, right? He's warning against discriminations. They judged people early on, whether they were rich or poor. Remember how he speaks against the the tongue and how much our tongue can be like a forest fire? And then he speaks about the worldliness and the fighting and the quarrels that were popping up among Christians. These are tough times. And yet James comes back here and he says, be patient, brothers. This may not be the way you want it. Be patient as we wait. We are waiters. We don't think life is in our hands. We don't think we have it all planned out. We don't think that our plans are the best plans. We don't think we have all the answers. We don't know. We don't know what God wants to do with us. So we wait. We're waiters. And the issue becomes not so much the time of waiting or the amount of time, but becomes the goal of waiting. Is it worth it? There are some things that we know are worth it, and so this leads me into the second point. Number one, we're patient as we wait, but number two, we are patient because we believe. The reason why we will be patient And the reason why we can be patient and the reason why as hard as it is for us that we want to be patient is because we are believers. We believe him. Look at verse eight. You also be patient. Look at this. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James brings us back in just the very next verse to what he said in the verse before that Christ could return, right? The redundancy here is meant to make a a statement to us. In verse seven, the Lord can return. In verse eight, the Lord can return. And since we are believing that God will come back for us and we know that he will, right? Remember when Hebrews says, listen to this. Hebrews says that when Jesus comes back, he will not deal with sin. You remember that? He says when Jesus comes back, he will not deal with sin because he dealt with sin the first time he came. But when he comes back, you remember what it says? When he comes back the next time, he will come to get those who are eagerly waiting for him. When that sky opens up, there are gonna be some people who say, yes! Man, it was a long wait. And this life is hard. This ain't heaven. But it was worth the wait. And I believe him. He says it again in verse eight. But he says it strong like this. Establish your hearts. Hey, hey get, get a nice good foundation there. 
Make sure it's not gonna fall over. Make sure it's not gonna be shaken. Make sure it's not gonna break. Make sure it's not gonna give way. Make sure the weight of the world can't knock it over. Make sure no matter what comes, the winds or the waves will not establish it. Put it in concrete. Establish your heart that you believe and you will wait believing. And we are patient because we believe. Specifically, we believe in this fulfillment of salvation, which we talked about all through December, right? God made promise, we needed a promise. We talked about that. God makes promises. Then we anticipate him fulfilling his promises and he fulfills his promises. And just as, just, let's see, today's 27. Just as two days ago, we celebrated Christmas as the coming of our savior, Jesus born. As sure as we are about the first coming, we can be as sure about the second coming. And since we are so sure about the first coming and therefore so sure about the second coming, we believe. And this is the message of salvation God keeps his promises, and so he will come. But let me share some others with you, big ones that you know. You remember the end of Genesis and that whole thing of Joseph dealing with his brothers as slaves in Egypt, and they come back to him, and the whole thing comes full circle. They, done, they did him so wrong, and they treated him wrongly, and he was sold into slavery and all of that. And Joseph comes with this killer statement about waiting when he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Hey, I don't know what other people are trying to do with your life. I don't know what you think about your life. But it's absolutely possible that God means this waiting season for you for good. Believe and be patient. Or what about Romans eight twenty eight that says, we know that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. I believe that God knew just what he was doing with 2020. It wasn't what we wanted, but it was what God wanted. And we need to believe him. And we need to be okay with God being different from us in the sense that his ways are bigger than our ways. Or what about James chapter four, verse six, which we read a few weeks ago, where it makes this grand statement, but God gives more grace. God has more grace than we have sinned. And if you've sinned a thousand times, he's got 5,000 amounts of grace. And if you've sinned a million times, he's got two million amounts of forgiveness. He does. And so in the wrestling and the struggling and the up and down, we believe God. As we wrestle with patience, we believe him. What about Romans 10, 13, among many others, that says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter how long it takes, no matter how long they resisted, no matter how long we had to pray, and haven't we seen time and time again where it takes a long time? Haven't we asked, is God ever going to answer our prayers? Does God hear us? Does God save and change lives? Y'all, his timing is his timing, but we can believe him through it. And so then from there, if you look at verse nine, he brings up grumbling against one another. And I think what he's saying here is, here's what happens. When we don't wait, when we get impatient, we're frustrated. That's when the complaining comes out, isn't it? Right? 
And like, so when we're standing in line and, and all of that, we'll do our best and we're trying to be Christian and not gonna say anything, but come on, I mean, 45 minutes is a long time to wait, so I gotta say something now, right? You know, we get like that. I think James is anticipating this. He knows that when we don't believe while we wait, we're gonna start complaining. And complaining is ultimately judging the situation. That's what complaining is. This is a bad thing when instead we might be saying, God, this is not the way I would have done it, but if you want me to wait, you're trying to teach me a lesson, you know, whatever, then we should believe. And so what he says here is that we start to judge, and he says, do not grumble against each other. Do not judge each other. God is the judge. And he's already said that in James, and now he says it again, that God is the judge. And in verse 10, he comes back to another example of suffering and patience with the prophets. He uses the word brothers. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You see, the prophets, see, the prophets did all types of good ministry, but they didn't see much fruit. Jeremiah's book is possibly the longest one in the Bible, 52 chapters, right? It's like this big in the Old Testament, it's huge. And Jeremiah's nickname is the weeping prophet because he was crying all the time. You know why he's crying all the time? This is how many believers he saw come during his ministry. 52 chapters of preaching and nobody ever believed to him. It was just a horrible, depressing ministry for the work of God. Was God in charge of it? Absolutely. Did God know what he was doing? Absolutely. Did he have a purpose in it? Of course. But it wasn't the way he wanted it to. It wasn't, well, you're only a good church if we see you know, the heavens shaking and all of a sudden revival. Not necessarily. We're supposed to believe while we're waiting. Things are on God's time, and he says to consider the prophets, but then he goes to the biggest of all, the example of remaining faithful in waiting, Job. Everybody knows Job. There are people out there who have never read the Bible in their lives, and they use the phrase, you got the patience of Job. You've heard that phrase, haven't you? The patience of Job. The patience of Job comes from the book of Job that's in the Bible, it's right before Psalms, and James picks up on it. And not only does he pick up on it, but he says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Of course they've heard of the steadfastness of Job. Everybody has heard of Job's situation, right? It was bad, I mean really bad. And I remember preaching on this before when Job was brought up. It was bad. See, Job was a good, upstanding, righteous man, and he believed God. And in what is one of the weirdest scenes in the Bible, one day the devil is out and about walking around looking to destroy somebody. And God says, what you doing, devil? And he says, I'm looking to destroy somebody. And God says, you ever tried Job? Now that's the story in the Bible. So Satan goes to work on him, kills all of his kids, takes all of his possessions, and he was wealthy, ruins his life. Then he makes Job really sick, horrible. And it's a long book, 42 chapters. It's not one of those short ones, it's long. Suffering and suffering and suffering and suffering for Job. And what Job doesn't know is that God has him. God has that devil on a leash. And the devil doesn't realize that he's on a leash. And the devil is trying to destroy Job, and God will not let Job be destroyed. 
He'll let him walk through the fire. He'll let him fall on his face. He'll let him cry his eyes out. He'll let him get real weak. He'll lead him to the point of almost giving up. But God was keeping Job. And we readers read the story knowing that. Job lived it not knowing that. We are to be believers. Couple comments on Job. Job's story and situation example is no groveling, it's no passive, unquestioning submission. Job struggled and questioned. And sometimes Job even defied, but the flame of faith was never extinguished in Job's heart. Listen to this commentator. In particular, you have heard of the patience of Job. Job was the most frequently quoted instance in Old Testament times and is a perfectly obvious one here for James. And yet Job did have passionate outbursts of indignation at the gibes and superfluous advice of his tormenting friends and even of his wife when God seemed to have deserted him. Did you hear that? When God seemed to have deserted Job. He didn't, but it seemed that way. Listen, but it must be remembered that Job did not curse God and die. He waited for God to speak and to make it all plain. Job hardly exhibited long suffering, but he clearly did show patience. He was not exactly meek, but he revealed the endurance of a sensitive man. He kept believing in the waiting, the ugly, hard waiting. Now, I'm not here to say that everybody's in an ugly, hard season of life. But James is here to say to us, you are to be patient no matter what. So he gives us the example of a farmer who needs the rain, needs the weather. It's out of his control. He prepares it well beforehand, and then he just has to wait. Gives us the example of the prophets who did what God called them to do, didn't see much fruit or result. It gives us the example of Job, whose story is really, really well known. And we are to be patient because we believe. If you think the only way for you to get to heaven is for God Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth, to come down and put on flesh and become a human and live a good long life of 30 some years, never sin and then be murdered and crucified on a cross, and then be taken down and buried in a grave, and then three days later for him to come back, and then 40 days later for him to ascend up into heaven. If you believe that, for the only way for you to get to heaven and not suffer forever in hell, which is absolutely what we believe, if you believe that, then take it one step further in obedience and say, God, I'll believe you with everything. I'll believe you in the hard days. I believe you in the long seasons. I believe you when I naturally, sinfully, fleshly don't really want to believe you. But I'll believe you, God. Because where else could we go? There are answers nowhere else, there is hope nowhere else. The rest of the world is in the same position as us of feeling the weight of sin and death and conviction and guilt and shame and condemnation. 
yet without a God who offers hope and purpose in why he's doing what he's doing, that we can trust him. May you be strengthened to be a believer and patient because we believe. But lastly, we are patient as God is patient. See, patience is often presented as a negative thing, a tough response to a tough circumstance. But the Bible tells us here that God is patient. Verse 11 ends not with Job's steadfastness, but with the purpose of the Lord in Job's life. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. I know this may be hard for you to believe, but the Bible believes that what God did in Job's story was a purposeful, compassionate, merciful story. Do you believe that? Because the devil's walking around right now in Fairdale, Kentucky. And he's looking for somebody to devour. And he very well might have his eyes on you. But not only might the devil have his eyes on you, but God might come up to the devil today and say, hey, have you thought about Josh Green? Have you thought about you or you or you? And it would be the purposeful, compassionate, merciful work of God to put you in Job's position and keep you faithful despite suffering and waiting for a long time. And we don't shake our fist at God and say, why? We bow our knees and we say, keep me, God. Love me. Hold me. Sustain me. The passage we read at the beginning with uh, Matt McBroom was 2 Peter chapter three. And I do want you to turn there, please. And this is where we're gonna end. Patient as God is patient. So we just saw what James says about God in, 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 with the Job thing there in verse 11. But here's where we're going to end. This is exactly what Matt read. And I wanna read it again. This will strengthen you. Verse eight of Second Peter chapter three, but do not, I can still hear some pages turning, so we'll wait because I want you to see this is where we're gonna end. Verse eight, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Remember earlier in the sermon when I mentioned how often the Bible says how long? Remember that? So here's what this means. When you say, how long are you gonna make me wait? And I've been waiting for a wife forever. How long are you gonna make me wait, God? God looks down at his watch and goes, it's only been like a couple hours. I mean, a day is like a thousand years. Hasn't really been that long. I got it under control. How long are you gonna make me wait, God? I haven't smiled in so long. This stinks living this way. And God looks down at his watch and his schedule and says, I got it. 
I love you. I love you. Wait. Believe me. Wait. God's timing is different from our timing, and we believe that. But look at verse 9, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. He's not slow. But look at this word right here. But he is patient toward you. Over the past month, I've been thinking of phrases like, people of grace should be gracious people. And people of mercy should be merciful people. And to whom much is given, much is required. And to those who are loved, ought to love. You see what I'm saying, right? To those whom God is patient toward, we can be patient, can't we? We can trust him who's patient toward us. But look at how sweet it is when it says this. He is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all would come to reach repentance. God loves you and sent his son Jesus to change your life, forgive your sins, save your soul, take you to heaven, make you know him. He is patient and he waits and he waits and he waits. May we understand that God has a big plan going on right now to get everybody to heaven that he's getting to heaven. And if it takes him a long time, we will wait with him. He knows what he's doing. May we be able to say it is worth it. Now, in James, if I were to ask you here in closing, why does James say that we should be patient? I think the answer is because the Lord is coming back and all will be right. He says it twice, right? The Lord is coming back. Look at 2 Peter 3. Different author, totally different guy. This isn't James, it's Peter. Look at verse 10, the very next verse. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The same thought the end of the world, the return of Christ, the coming back of Jesus to save us. We are patient as we wait. We are waiters. We are patient because we believe and we are patient because this entire life we're living is being lived receiving a patient God, receiving patience from God. May you be inspired to wait. I'll go ahead and say it for you. We don't like to wait, but we can. We can wait because we believe. Our Father in heaven loves us and he knows what he's doing. If you're wrestling with it, amen. It's okay to wrestle with it. Don't let go, believe. If you're here today and you've never had the hope of believing that it's worth the wait, then turn to Jesus today. Let's pray, Father in heaven, Thank you for James and the hard challenge 
to be patient. Father, we ask that you would give us hearts that can wait because we know who you are. Father, lead us now to respond to you believing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.